are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Thanks again to People's Church for having us. It's an honor to be here, and um, thank you for Francine and Christine and the team. Just so appreciate them and the heart that they carry. And uh, have a seat, and we're going to uh, I'm going to have Colette come and talk a little bit about commission and uh, come plus mission. And uh, we just finished five weeks of it. And uh, tell us about it, Colette. And Donovan Byer provided amazing leadership to this, and uh, it's pretty exciting. So I want uh, Colette to come and, and share Hello. about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we just spent five weeks um, with commission. We had uh, close to 50 people all um, on this journey of how can we um, demonstrate the kingdom. So our first week was focused on demonstrating the gospel, um, where we equip people with like some good tools to share their faith. The second week we talked about demonstrating power and so we had a baptism of the Holy Spirit at night and we really um, just prayed for people to be released in their giftings. Our third week we talked about demonstrating hope and we went out into the community and we showed hope in a real way. Um, Our fourth week we talked about demonstrating purpose and we had a panel of people from our community talking and just sharing about how they demonstrate purpose. And then our fifth week was about demonstrating the kingdom, where we had people pray and ask God to show them what are they being commissioned to. And so they've written that on their signs, and you can see that they're up here. Um, So uh, I invited a couple people to come up and share their journey um, of commission. (laughs) So introduce yourself and share a little bit of your experience. Uh, I'm Roshani. Uh, So first of all, we got to be a part of a a community of like-minded people, so that was really awesome. And that kind of acted like a support system to do things that maybe um, you always wanted to do, but, um, uh, or things that you kind of already did, but you wanted to be more bold in it. For example, like maybe intentionally making conversations with um, somebody while you're waiting for the bus or (laughs) talking to somebody sitting next to you in class, things like that. And uh, commission kind of gave you the skills and the training. Uh, like for example, we had drills where we had to share the gospel with the, uh, with a person um, in less than two minutes. And then we also had uh, the opportunity to go evangelize out in the streets. And so kind of gave you the skills to, um, yeah, just practically actually do it. Um, and so, you know, if that kind of uh, thing excites you, uh, commission is for you, you know? Uh, um, and also, if you're really good at maybe sharing the gospel, if you have like lots of experience with it, then commission is also for you because you can come and share um, what you do because, you know, you have skills and, and um, it's like iron sharpening iron, right? So you can come and inspire a lot of people to, uh, to do that. Hi, I'm Deja, and um, the, what I really liked about our commission was hanging out with like all like-minded people, like me and Rashani was in the same group, and something I'm not very comfortable with is sharing my faith to, with others, so it was very nice to like uh, hang out with people and learn more about um, sharing my faith to others. 
Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So um, in a little bit, we're going to pray for these people and we're going to commission them as a large community. And so this often, when um, we commission people, it's to go out to a far place, but this is, um, we're commissioning people to do the things that God has called them to do, maybe um, in their neighborhood or with their families or with their classmates. Um, so I want to invite you, uh, if you have a friend up here or you want to come up and just join us, you can come gather around. Stand up, join us. If you want to stay in your seat, you can stay in your seat, but you're welcome to come on up and uh, join us as we pray. Um, well, why don't we all stand up and just extend a hand forward in a moment as we're going to pray? Yeah. So Ephesians uh, 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. Um, he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. And, um, and so, Lord, we, we thank you that, um, we thank you for friends and family. We thank you uh, that we um, have this group of people who are committed to going out. And this, this um, also, Lord, we thank you for this community that surrounds them and reminds them that they're not alone. Um, Lord, uh, we thank you for your good news. We thank you for the gospel and for the Holy Spirit who empowers us. We thank you for hope. We thank you for um, a hope rising in our city and just spreading out from this place as people are inspired and just filled with the Holy Spirit to share. Um, thank you, God, that you have... Um, You've placed gifts inside of each person here, and that Holy Spirit, you're stirring up those gifts. We walk beside them. Lord, we thank you um, for, that there's a leader in every chair. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that, that you, you continue to lead us, that you continue to guide us as we demonstrate the kingdom. And so today we, um, we commission this group to go out we commission this group to, to demonstrate hope and life and love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Anything to add? Awesome. Give it up for this group. And this, this is incredible. And this is the heartbeat of resurgence. Since when we started 10 years ago was... This isn't about a, a, a night, but it's about a lifestyle of every day. And I believe I was so excited as we were going to our last session of commission. And on Thursday night, I was like, this is it. This is exciting because we're sending 40-some people out to their sphere of influence. And I believe we're going to hear testimonies of what God has done as we've prayed. So would you continue praying for these people? And maybe God's stirring in you. I should be up there. What's my, what's my mission? What am I called to? We're, we're going to run that. Again, but don't wait till that happens again. It's not about the thing, it's about God, what am I called to, and how do I live that out? And we want to help you do that. And we believe that we're, we're all called to missions, we're all called to reach. Um, it's not just the preacher on the stage, but it's a community. We're all called to have the Holy Spirit in us for something, and love is for something. And, and we're going to love a generation and see people come to Jesus like never before. And so that, that's amazing. Anyways, tonight we're really excited um, to 
to have a friend, and a friend of Resurgence, a friend of mine, uh, Adam Browett, has served in Edmonton for many years at West Edmonton Christian Assembly. Um, I went to Bible college for a year with him, and uh, it was a long time ago, well, not too long ago, um, and, uh, and, but uh, he moved recently, they moved uh, to his family to uh, Victoria, and so we miss him, but he is back, and he's here tonight, and just really felt that he needed to share tonight, and so I want you to give a really warm welcome to Adam as he comes and shares tonight. Thanks, man. I, uh, I kind of invited myself to speak, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I said, uh, Hey, uh, Trav, uh, I'm going to tell me there is a resurgence the first week of November and because uh, I'm going to be there and uh, I really want to come. I wasn't necessarily saying I want to speak, but I was saying I really want to be there. And uh, it worked out that I could speak. But now before he said yes, he did say, you know, we had our, we had our kickoff and it was amazing and it was so powerful. And then we had our 10-year anniversary and it was so powerful. And now it's November, so no pressure. And uh, I thought, great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Travis. I, I, I like that. That's great. But I'm so happy to be here. Love, love Edmonton. Love, love this ministry. I love what you guys are doing. It's awesome. I've been before, and I uh, love you guys. And so let's, let's do this thing. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Acts. Acts chapter 8. Uh, I, I try to say this every time I, I speak somewhere. I might make you laugh. I might make you cry, but I can't change your life. Only Jesus can. And uh, don't forget that. I think sometimes when it comes to church and Christianity, we can get so caught up in doing Christian things or caught up in listening to a particular pastor or, or, or just doing church stuff that we forget that it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. And it's God who does these things. It's God who grows resurgence. Not the band, not Travis, not the team, not the cool stuff we do, not the marketing, not that. It's God. It's the spirit of God here. And if you're here tonight, I have to believe. I have to believe that you're not here just by chance. Like, God set it up specifically for you to be here tonight. God knows you so much. Like, when he was putting the stars in the sky and knitting you together in your mother's womb, he had November 3rd, 2018 in mind. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that this person is here tonight. Because I've got something for them. And I've been praying for this evening long before I knew I was allowed to speak here. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping to come and just pray for you guys. But uh, I, I get this opportunity to share this word. And I'm excited to do it. But it's Acts chapter 9. And what I love about this particular story, this particular verse in the Bible, this particular piece of scripture is it's the story of a guy named Ananias. And Ananias doesn't get any street cred. <laughs> Everybody knows about Saul, everybody knows about Paul, but nobody really talks about Ananias. And the truth is, without a guy like Ananias, we wouldn't have the Bible as we know it, we wouldn't have Christianity as we know it, we wouldn't have the church as we know it. And Ananias is actually a pretty big deal, but nobody wants an Ananias jersey. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at this, because I'm convinced that like movements of God are actually the result of God working through Ananiases, not just working through celebrities and heroes. God wants to work through you. And I believe that God is doing something and stirring something here that's sweet. It's been 10 years in the making here. The, uh, the verse specifically God put on my heart for, for resurgence actually found in Ephesians. 
And it's a, it's a quote. It's actually a quote in the Old Testament. And, and, and what it says is, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And what I like about that is that God's placed a lot of dreams in you, Travis. And he's put a, lot of, put a lot of dreams in this house and a lot of dreams in this community. And this community represents a lot of dreams. But in order for dreams to become reality, we've got to wake up. And I believe that's the word for you guys. You've been dreaming these things, dreaming for God to move across the city, dreaming for God to move across Alberta, across Canada, across the world. Well, he's placed these dreams in you, and they're not just meant to stay dreams. but they're meant. To, God's calling us to wake up. And to step out and to start walking in what he's asked us to walk in. And that's not just Travis's call. It's not just the leadership's calling. That's each and every one of you in this room's calling. Because you will touch people that Travis can't touch. And you will reach people that resurgence can't touch. And you will reach people that your home church can't touch. God placed you where you're at because he needs you where you're at to reach the people that are around you. That's the privilege that we have. So let's read about Ananias. Well, it starts off in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Classy. So he went to the high priest, and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on the mission... On this mission to capture Christians. On this mission to shut down this church movement. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this is such a significant point in the story. Because here's Saul actively going against God. And God shows up and stops him in his tracks. And it's totally counterintuitive if you think about it. Because we get this idea sometimes that the only way God's going to respond to us, the only way God's going to talk to us, the only way God's going to get involved in our life is if we're super perfect and we're walking out the Christian mission and God's doing great things and we feel great about God and we're tithing to our local church and we're volunteering everywhere. And if it's a perfect scenario, then God will show up. That's not at all what happened here. Like, like Saul wasn't pro-Jesus. Saul was like, let's shut it down. And then in the midst of that, Jesus shows up. And what that tells me is it tells me like some pretty significant things. It tells me that you don't need to recognize Jesus for him to recognize you. It tells me that you don't need to be looking for Jesus in order for him to be looking for you. Which is significant if you find yourself here tonight. And maybe you thought you were here, maybe this is a hot date. And you're like, what, I'm at church? I thought I was at a concert, right? Maybe, maybe you just found, maybe you were invited here. And this is your first time in some kind of church thing. You know, you're welcome here. We're so glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. But what I love about this story is that, like, it kind of debunks what we call vibrant Christianity. All of a sudden, Jesus just shows up. It kind of takes the, the onus off of us which is actually pretty significant because it's never been about us. We're not the ones who saves people, it's Jesus. And this is what we see illustrated here. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replies, well, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. <laughs> Plot twist. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Well, then the men with Saul stood speechless. Well, naturally, Jesus just showed up. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. So Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. That's not how Jesus works. And what I love about this is it it messes up our head a little bit. Because all of a sudden, Jesus is doing something that we don't see him do. Because we've put Jesus in a box. And we've told Jesus how to work and how to grow church and how to do ministry. We've, we've said, this is how long you have for worship sets. This is how you reach people. This is the program. This is the system. This is the structure. This is how you have to do it. And Jesus is like, no. Those things are useful and those things are benefit. But there's more. It's actually me who saves people. And that is so encouraging. So encouraging. So here, Saul goes blind. That's Jesus' witnessing tool. Try that next time. <laughs> oh, you want to see? Antifreeze to the face. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. It's terrible evangelism. <laughs> terrible evangelism. So here he is. He's blind. Just got antifreeze to the eyes. I just added that part in. It's not in the Bible. But he is blind. That's in the Bible. So his companions, they led him by the hand to Damascus. And remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. And I look at this story, and what captures me in the story is it's so not what you would expect. Like, it's, it's not at all how you would think Jesus would move and do something. And it's totally stretched my faith and super convicted me. Because I think we get this picture of God, this idea of God, based off what we've experienced from him. And therefore, we assume that's the only way he works. But there's so much more to God than that. He's so much bigger. So then in verse 10, this is where Ananias steps into the scene. It says, now there was this believer in Damascus named Ananias. Now I stinking love that descriptor of him. This believer in Damascus. Not, not, there was this guy who used to work at West Edmonton Christian Assembly, named Adam. There was this guy who's really talented, named Travis. It doesn't actually highlight any of these earthly things. What it highlights is his belief in Jesus. And what a great descriptor of a Christian. Here's, here's this guy, this, this believer, not just this person who pickets abortion clinics, Like, here's this guy who believes what he says he believes. And that's what he's used. That's the descriptor of him. There was this believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replies. And we'll stop it right there. Because in that little sentence, so much takes place. One, we figure out there's this guy who's classified as a believer. He, he believes what Jesus says. And I love that because there's part of me that wonders sometimes if I actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That he can do what he says he can do. I mean, I do on paper. I do so I can keep my credentials. Right? But if you think about it, like, do your prayers really reflect your vision of God? (laughs) 
Like, like when you pray, like we, we all know, well, Jesus, of course. Jesus, he stops storms. Jesus heals hurting people. He gives sight to the blind. He raises the dead. We pray these prayers. Jesus, like if it's at all possible, please, please find me a girlfriend. <laughs> or, or... If it's at all possible, like, please, like, like, we pray these prayers with so much doubt, thinking there's no way God could actually get involved in my situation. But, but he totally can. Like, like, he, he can do anything. He, he raised the dead. And we, we, we read the Bible. We live in this post-Bible day. We've read all these stories. We're not even shocked by this stuff anymore. We're like, oh, he has Jesus. He gives sight to the blind. He turns water into wine, whatever. Yet our prayers are so faithless sometimes. And it's like, Jesus, Jesus, I don't know if you have the ability to possibly heal this person from cancer. Yes, he does. He can do it. And he does do it. And people are being set free. People are being healed. People's lives are being transformed. He does this. The same God that is referenced in the Bible is the same God that works today. Just for some reason, we have a hard time believing it. Well, part of me is like, well, I can understand. And it seems too good to be true. But friends, this is true. And the world will do everything it can to convince you otherwise. Because the enemy understands something. He doesn't need to turn you in to the world's biggest sinner to stop you from being influential for the kingdom of God. He just needs to make you doubt your own prayers. (laughs) Boom. Go home on that one. And there's so much more to God. So it says, there's this believer in Damascus. So God speaks to him. And what's really fascinating about this story is that Ananias responds. He says, yes, Lord. And, and that is so basic that we often glance over and we get to actually the juice of this verse. So we, we, we totally, nobody cares about verse 10. But verse 10 is where the whole story starts. Where he responds back. And if you want to make a difference in this world, and I believe that God has poised you to make that difference, I believe that resurgence is a beautiful, awesome, super amazing tool of God to reach this city. And God has placed you here for such a time as this. But Ananias, we would not have this story if Ananias didn't respond back to God. And I believe that God is calling you to respond. Now, there's things God has placed in your heart that he's asked you to do. You know it. You know exactly what God's asked you to do. But you haven't done it for a variety of different reasons. Could be maybe you're you're afraid. Just just a little bit nervous. (laughs) Man, you're calling me into the mission field? What? No. You're scared because it's going to cost you something. You, Shandy and I, we spent the last seven years living in this city. We love this city. I love Weka. I love that church. And God threw us this curveball and said, Adam, we're calling you to Vancouver Island. 
Because there's people who don't know Jesus there. And I'm placing you there for such a time as this. I, didn't, I honestly, like, you don't want to go when you build friends and you build family and community. But you need to respond. We have to respond. Or else, where's our, where's our testimony? What opportunities are we robbing God of? Or, quite honestly, more accurately, robbing ourselves of. Right? And so, so, so God places these words in your heart. and Maybe they're dreams, however you want to articulate it. But there's things God has asked you to do. For a variety of different reasons, you find yourself just coming into resurgence month after month, going to church week after week, and you're sitting on this dream. And I believe God's calling you to wake up tonight. He's saying, it's time. It's time. And maybe it's not a fear thing. Maybe it's a busyness thing. You're just too busy. You're like, I'll get to that when I graduate school. I'll get to that after I go to Bible college. As if like some certification makes you now officially able to be used by God. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's useful. It's extraordinarily useful. But that's not how God chooses his people. He doesn't just wait. Okay, who graduated Vanguard this year? Okay, there's my chosen few. <laughs> he doesn't do that. Like... Like he loves Vanguard. Vanguard's great. This isn't a slight against Vanguard, but this is a slight against the way we think usually. <laughs> we, 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 we wait and we think, well, when I get a little bit better or more spiritual, or if I get myself in check, then, then I'll respond and I'll be that Christian that, that I pretend I am to everyone else. But, but God is actually calling us to be that person now. And this story is beautiful because Ananias didn't do anything amazing. The story is beautiful because Ananias just said, yes, Lord. Because sometimes we sell God short when our prayers are only listening and never responding back. It's the greatest privilege we have. We get to talk to God. It's incredible. Verse 11 gets better. The Lord said, go to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask, a man for, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Now, if you want to be God, uh, used by God, like what you need to understand is there's this element of listening to Jesus and doing what he says that is extraordinarily fundamental <laughs> to your Christian ministry. <laughs> like, like it's one thing just to say, yes, Lord. But it's another thing to hear from God and then go do it. Yeah. Problem is, it feels really good to get a word from God. We love getting a word from God. And we love telling other people that we got a word from God. The hard thing is actually walking that word from God out. And that, that's what takes place here. And this is, this is actually very substantial. It's amazing. God doesn't use resurgence for these, these moments at the altar. But these moments at the altar exist so that we can take God back home with us. Back, back to our, our reality. Back to where there's lost people. So lost people can see this amazing God that we worship and serve. And so here's, here's Ananias, and he's responding back to God. What, Lord, what do you have for me? And God responds so specifically, like almost like uncannily. Is that a word? Sure it is. Uncannily. That's totally not a word. Uh, God re responds like so amazingly boringly. It's so specific. There's no mysticism involved. 
Nothing super spiritual. It's like just straight up goods. He says, listen, go to Straight Street, House of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus. His name's Saul. He's praying to me right now. And it sounds so boring and so mundane that we almost discredit it as being like so profoundly spiritual. And that's part of our problem sometimes is that we forget that God is extraordinarily specific. And we forget that God can be extraordinarily practical. And we forget that God knows what's going on at the very, every very moment. That when we're praying in our prayer closets, there's other people also doing things too. Because sometimes we forget that the world doesn't revolve around us, if we're going to be honest, right? If I look at my own prayer life, I'm thinking that, okay, Jesus, you're my personal savior. That means you're only mine, right? <laughs> like, no, he's actually working in the lives of everybody else all simultaneously. And that's what makes this piece of scripture so interesting. Because what it tells us is it gives us this kind of like real-time view of how the kingdom of God works. Here's Ananias. Nothing fabulous about Ananias. He's just a believer. Okay? It's all, it's all the only description that the Bible gives him is he's a believer. All of a sudden, God starts talking to him. That doesn't sound all that amazing. But Ananias responds back. And then God talks to him again. And God tells him that, hey, Ananias, while you're praying right now, at this very exact moment, the person I want you to go and pray for is actually also praying to me right now. And that's pretty amazing. And I'm giving him a picture of what's happening here just as I'm giving you a picture of what's happening there. And that's unbelievable. And we take God for granted all the time. Because we forget that God isn't just involved in our lives. He's actually sewing other things together all at the same time. He's using you to write other people's stories. That's amazing. So when we ignore God, we don't understand what's at stake. So here's this believer. His name's Ananias, and he's praying. And at this very same time, here's this Saul, who's also praying. More like whining, to be honest. He's blind. He's trying to figure this whole thing out. God, what did you do to me? You're Jesus. I can't see anything. You told me to come here. What am I supposed to be doing here? What are you doing? God, where are you? Do you even care? And God responds back to him. What is his courage to Saul? A picture of Ananias. So if Ananias didn't respond, what is, where does that leave Saul? It's amazing. Everything's interconnected. This dream that God placed in your heart is interconnected to other people's dreams. And we don't often see how everything is tied together in some kind of way. But it's the most beautiful picture ever. When you get there, you ask for this guy. He's praying to me right now. Verse 12. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see. Like, this is all happening real time. But Lord! And I was so quick to respond back. Lord, no, no, no. Oh, gosh. God, this is embarrassing. You don't actually realize who Saul is. <laughs> if you only knew who Saul was, you wouldn't ask me to go reach him. This guy's unreachable. He's untouchable. I, like, like, don't even waste my time. Don't waste your time. you got lots of people to save. you got all, all sorts of other things you can be doing right now. 
And we listen to this and we laugh. We're like, oh my gosh, Ananias is so dumb. <laughs> and then we think of our own prayer lives. And we're like, oh shoot, this is super convicting. Because <laughs> we're like, that's totally what we do. And God's like, hey, why don't you go over to that person and pray for them right now? God, I can't go pray for them right now. It's 8.58. Resurgence is almost done. That's stupid. <laughs> right? And we get this idea that we need to educate God as to what's going on, as if he's too busy to get actually involved in this world. But it makes no sense. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. Like, who do you think you are, Jesus? Why would you ask me to do that? And it says in verse 15, Jesus responds back, oh, good point, yeah, I just leave him to die. <laughs> Actually, it doesn't say that at all. It says, verse 15, but the Lord says this, go. I still want you to go. And that's so important. I know that this is going to be hard. I know that there's a lot at stake. I know that there's a huge risk. But you need to go. You see, just knowing what you should do isn't enough. You need to actually do what God has asked you to do. Now, you can, you can ride that spiritual high from having a very intimate relationship with God and having him talk to you for only so long until all of a sudden this relationship becomes a facade. And no one else can see it but you because you know God's been asking you for more. You know what God's been telling you to do. But you've held back because you're afraid. You're afraid of what might happen. And in verse 15, it says, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, so I, I, I know who he is, Ananias, but I need him to go. And in order for him to go, I need you to go. So buckle up. And get over there. Because he's my chosen vessel. But I want you to hear this, Ananias. You're my chosen vessel too. And that's what we often miss. Because everybody wants a Saul jersey. Or maybe Paul. But nobody wants to be Ananias. But the truth is, without Ananias, without Ananias going, we have no Paul. Ananias is an, is, is an extraordinarily piece of this picture. Without Ananias, there's no Paul. Without Paul, there's no missionary movement that starts the early church. Paul writes basically the majority of the New Testament Without Paul, we don't have the New Testament as we know it. We don't have the Christian church as we know it. We surely wouldn't have resurgence as we know it. We wouldn't be here tonight. In fact, you're here tonight because of Ananias in a lot of ways. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> Appreciate your faithfulness. And what happens in life? 
Because we're living, we're living it real time, right? What happens in life is we can't see thousands of years down the road. We only see the here and now. And so we don't realize what's truly at stake. I'm sure if Ananias, he's probably sitting back in heaven and be like, <laughs> I did that. <laughs> but in the moment, this moment sucked. There was nothing awesome. This is before Instagram, when you can lead a person to the Lord and be like, boom, just led this person to the Lord. <laughs> Humble brag, right? This is before that. This is before you got street cred and credit. This is in the day and age when, hey, you can get killed for being a Christian, which is also this age too. We forget how lucky we are. <laughs> Better word. Like, 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 it's unbelievable. And so here's this Ananias who's, who's going to go do this thing. It feels so lame. Because all God really did is ask him to go from here to his neighbor's house and pray for a guy. Nobody anticipated that entire histories would be changed. And you don't know what is at stake in your life either. So when God's asking you to do something or to go somewhere or to pray for someone, think twice before telling God, no, I'm too busy. <laughs> or think twice before saying no and ignoring it. Because you don't know what the future holds. So verse 17. So Ananias, he goes, all-star. So Ananias went and he found Saul. And he laid his hands on him. On him. He laid his hands on him. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh man, how I love that. I love that. Because he kind of got a little bit creative. <laughs> like, like he added a little bit. <laughs> and he made it so awesome. It was so personal and so real. And he has this bold, super courageous conversation that we're terrified to have. We know God can heal. We know God can do these things. But to actually pray for somebody in public, that's terrifying. But he does it. He says, so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just about getting your eyes back, Saul. So being filled with the Spirit, Saul. God's got something bigger for you, Saul, than just your vision. God's got something bigger for you than just the way you see the world. God wants to fill you and, and, and send you. And that's a principle God still does today. But we as Christians, we almost, we're almost embarrassed by it. But to be filled with the Spirit of God, what a privilege that we take for granted all the time. Because to be filled with the Spirit of God isn't just about having charismatic worship services. To be filled with the Spirit of God is to bring the charismatic worship services to the people. <laughs> to show people that this God who heals is still there. This God who can 
Restore marriages still restores this God who can turn back the, the most broken of hearts and heal it. He's there. Like God, God's a pretty big deal. And the Holy Spirit wants to send you. We get that. We say that. We live that. We preach that. But it's really hard to actually live out. Or maybe, let me rephrase that. Because it's actually not hard at all. Um, it's very simple to live, to live out. It's just not easy. <laughs> right? It is very simple. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. And rely on the fact that he sent the Holy Spirit within you to go and do this thing that he asked you. Verse 18, though. This gets really good. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he regained his sight. And then he got up and he was baptized. And afterwards, he ate some food, and he regained his strength. And I love this mixture of like the super miraculous and divine and the super practical and mundane. The author felt it was really important for us to understand 2,000 years later <laughs> that not only did he get his sight back, not only was he baptized, but afterwards he went for lunch. And he regained some strength. And we look at that, we're like, well, why, why would you put that in there? That's so human. Exactly. Because God uses humans. God doesn't make us into these super beings. We're human beings filled with a supernatural God. But we still are us. And sometimes I think we do God a disservice. When we do one of a few things. One, it's when we pray, God, I just wish I lived and looked like Travis. Because then my life would be great. Or I just wish I could lead worship like Karis. Or that I could, Dean, I've never seen you do anything other than do announcements and lead prayer. And I wish I, wish I could do announcements and lead prayer just like Dean. <laughs> Like, he's, got, he's so well articulated and has a clear relationship with the Lord. And it's fabulous. Right? But, but sometimes we, we, we wish we were other people. And if we were just somebody else, then I'd have this kind of advantage. As if being us is some disadvantage. And that's the biggest lie from the enemy. See, God made you the way you are because the world needs you the way you are. <laughs> and God wants to use you, specifically you, Filled with God, because it's not you who's special, actually. It's actually God working through you that's special. and Because God, God wants to use you as a lens so the whole world can see who Jesus is. That's the trick. He doesn't want to use you to make you famous. He wants to use you to make himself famous. Plot twist. Jesus, he has it all, he has it all under control. But we are so sinful as human beings, we always try to take the credit. That makes no sense. Right? I think we should invite the band back. Let's invite those guys back. There's like a hundred of you, so come on up. <laughs> we'll, we'll all wait as the progression comes. Procession, that's the right word. Here we go. Um, where do we go from here? I would love to see a few things happen tonight. Um, number one, I didn't grow up going to church. And so this whole Christian thing is extraordinarily foreign to me. 
Like, it was so foreign. Like, when I, when I remember the day I got saved, I came to the front to give my heart to the Lord. And the guy beside me, thank God there was two people, so that way I can know what to do. And the guy beside me, he raised his hands like this. So I just, like, looked over him and copied him because I didn't want to look dumb. And, and I thought this is what made me a Christian. <laughs> right? And, and I remember, like, just being super weirded out by Christian culture. Because we're weird, let's be honest. There, there's nothing normal about what happens in this place. <laughs> but there was something absolutely captivating by it. I remember seeing it and just asking a lot of really great questions. It was actually Shandy, my wife, who led me to the Lord. And uh, I came from... Who are you? <laughs> that wasn't me who whistled. Show yourself. Um, that's awesome so I went to church with Shandy for, for three months before I gave my heart to the Lord and I spent three months of just watching her but quite honestly three months of watching everybody else in that room because I was so weirded out that people would spend their free time on a Sunday evening to come and sing songs about Jesus. It didn't make any sense to me. It didn't make any sense to me until I realized that Jesus was a person and that all these people had a personal relationship with Jesus and that's what brought them there. They weren't there because they had to. They were there because they wanted to be there. And there was something inside of me that wanted what they had. Because that's captivating. And so I came and I raised my hands and started praying this prayer. And the funny thing is, it's not a prayer that makes, made me a Christian. But it was really aligning my heart, finally. And the, word, the prayer just really helped me articulate it. But aligning my heart with how God felt about me and who God actually is and was. And so if you find yourself here tonight and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you don't know Jesus as I've described him tonight, because you've heard about him, but to actually know God, friend, I want you to hear it for me and hear me clearly. You can actually know him. In fact, you probably, you've been hung up on verse one of my talk. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He responded back? Friends, Jesus wants to respond. He wants to talk to you. He wants to walk with you through this hellish experience of life that you may have. He wants to walk through your good times just as much as he wants to walk through your bad times. Because he cares that much about you. In fact, even as I'm speaking, I feel like there's some Christians in this room and I'm going to use the term like this. Don't be offended, but the Christians in this room. Because you've gotten so good at doing church things. You'd probably be better described as a churchian than a Christian. Because somehow along the way, you've lost that first love. You've lost that relationship with Jesus in terms of the way you would articulate it, the way, the way you live it out. You see, you can be married to somebody and have no relationship with your spouse. 
And that's kind of the illustration I have in my heart right now, that there may be some of you where if I said, are, do, are you a Christian? Are you, or do you have a relationship with Jesus? You'd be like, yeah, of course we do. We live together. <laughs> but if I said, is, if I changed the way I worded that, and I said, yeah, but are you a believer? Like, do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? You may then have a little bit harder time answering. And if we got really personal tonight, and I said, do you believe that Jesus believes in you? You may have a really hard time answering that question. Because you'd say, no. Friends, wow. I changed my, I have a prayer calendar in my book. I'm not, Okay, I just lied like 10 times right there. I, I don't have a prayer calendar. I have a prayer list in my phone. I have a prayer list in my phone. And this prayer list that's in my phone, I changed and called it breakthrough list, not just prayer list. Because this, this, this word that God's been bringing up in my heart a lot lately is this word breakthrough, and that God wants to break through things. And as I'm just as I started talking here, I just really feel that God wants to break through in your heart and in your life. It's on? Yeah, okay. Uh, I love Travis, how he <laughs> randomly asked me. But I feel like the Holy Spirit, he's sneaky. He probably asked you to ask me. So I'm ready. I'm ready, God. And how can you say no after the <laughs> preaching? You know, you need to be ready. You need to say yes. So yes, Lord. I always have a lot of excuses where I'm like, ah, I can only sing. I can't even speak English. <laughs> uh, so many excuses. I'm a busy mom. Uh, a lot of things. But, uh, you know, you just need to say yes and uh, be obedient and just put that piece of puzzle where God is doing so many things. Uh, for tonight, when we're singing that song, oh, praise the Lord, uh, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Uh, there's um, where we, we were saying for endless days, I will sing his praises forever, forever his name. And um, there's, um, I have like a long story, my testimony, but I'm not going to share that because. Okay. All right. So my name is Francine. Um, I have two kids married to one husband. And, uh, <laughs> and. Um, so my family and I, we came to Canada in 1997 from Rwanda, from uh, Kigali, Rwanda. And for those who, of you who know, we always say that, you know, it's, a, it's our story, it's our testimony, so we talk about it. Uh, for those of you who know Rwanda, we went through the genocide. I was um, 13, 14, around that time. And with my whole family, we've seen the hand of God. We've seen... God take us through the fire. When we talk about it, it's not a song. It's not a po poetry. It's, we've seen that. I was young. I've seen people coming to kill us and be like, come out here. I'm going to kill you with a machete. And um, I was confused. What's happening? It's a story of all Randy's people. Um, where you would just uh, stay. I was telling my sister when we were in Mexico this week. Um, I was hungry. I was very hungry. I was like, I need to eat. And she was like, what's, what's up with you? Why do you always want to eat? I'm like, there is a time in the genocide. I didn't eat for almost 30 days. I was drinking water. I don't even know what we were eating. 
I know we were so terrified, we were not thinking about hunger. So I promised myself, if I'm hungry, I need to eat. So let me go eat in Mexico. I need to have my money, I need to eat. She was just laughing, saying that I was being dramatic. But I think the hunger was there. So, you know, um, so we've seen all of that. We've seen all of that. People chasing us. They were your friends yesterday. We were all randies, and something changed. We didn't know what was happening. They were chasing you. They were killing everyone. Um, it was horrible. Um, but whatever I'm talking about is the faithfulness of God, the hand of God. You know, we read about the Bible uh, stories, and it's a time, there is a time when it become personal. You see Jesus. You see him. He walks with you. He is. The Holy Spirit is with you. He has been with me around that time in 13 years when I've seen him. He was more the God of my parents because my daddy was a pastor. I was like, daddy was asking us to, uh, to say that verse. We never die. We live to, to proclaim the goodness of God. So we go around in the house where we're hiding. We're just saying that. I will live. I will never die. I will live to proclaim the goodness of God. I didn't know. We're just repeating after dad. And he had that faith that it was contagious. We were young, we, were Christian, we, were, we grew up in a Christian home, but we didn't really believe that. We, we didn't know the reality of that. So I fed from the faith of my parents going through that, even coming to Canada, learning the language, the French, English, the culture shock, uh, seeing your parents being able to provide for you, and now they come in a country where they don't know the language, they don't have the job, you are the parent. You are the one who actually going to get the jobs and help them out. You know, uh, all that, the humility that God, things that he took us through to teach us, um, I'm real, I'm, uh, uh, I'm faithful, I walk with you. Um, I'm trying to just take everything and put it in a short story. Even when I got married, I got married, I had two kids. I always tell my friends, you know, the story doesn't stop right there. There is this journey called motherhood. There is called marriage. A lot of people get there. It's like dark. You know, it's good when you, wanna, you are single. You're like, oh, I want to get married. I want to get the ring. You get there. Marriage is good. There's nothing wrong with marriage. Marriage is actually because my husband is easy. He's very good. He's a very good husband. But the kids, two little human beings come. They are selfish. They don't ask you if you agree to whatever they want. They almost suck life out of you. I'm not scaring you if you're single, but I feel like it's a way that the Lord like humble you to be like, you need someone. His name is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I'm the only one who's going to sustain you in this marriage. It's now your husband who's really hands-on. My husband is good. He's raised with five girls, so he knows how to change diapers and to do. He's a superhuman being. But even that, providing, being there with the help, there is a period you need to know that person called the Holy Spirit to sustain you from the darkness of marriage, of loneliness, because he can't, like that husband, that human being, he can't satisfy the deep longing of your hearts. He can buy me a house, give me a nice car, give me those uh, beautiful uh, kids, but there's so much happening, guys, uh, that you need to know the Holy Spirit, you need to commune with him, you need to, uh, to hear his voice, and when we talk about hearing his voice, you're like, how do you hear his voice? You need to be in that moment where you cultivate that relationship to hear from him, to speak to him. That's not weird, uh, um, 
strange to speak to him. You talk to him, he speaks to you. You read the Bible when there is no congregation that worshiped him. I really loved what the Holy Spirit did this last couple of minutes because he's teaching us our worship team to pray with our music just to take you there. You know, sometimes we come, we love Peter. He's a crazy good drummer. He, he's not there. It's just me and my, sis, my two sisters or three sisters. We're here. We're going to lead worship. We don't need instruments. It's like you need to learn to depend on me. It's not about your vocals. It's not about um, uh, your husband. It's not about the church filled with people. Learn to just commune with me. You know, there is a worship leader I love. She says, the audience of one. I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. We're together. We're talking. There's a conversation. So if I can just put my testimony in one thing, learn to know your God. Learn to let the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who walks with, with you. You know, single people, you know, I love marriages. I love couples. Uh, I have a big heart burden for couples because when they go through divorce, I'm not condemning you if you went through divorce. Grace, grace, grace. You know, you can get there and be like, oh, he's not what I signed up for. No one can satisfy your heart. The deep, you need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. Motherhood, it can drive you crazy if you don't know that person who can come and sustain you through those moments where you have those two kids who are just calling you, mom, 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 mom. I want this. They don't care. You, in the ministry, I love you, Travis, whatever you're doing. My dad has been ministering for 30, 40 years. I know ministry. Like, I don't be like, oh, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a worship leader. Actually, if you ask me, I run away because I know the responsibility. You know, people see you here with, uh, what are you doing with the resurgence? We honor you. But it's so hard with, uh, you know, things that we go through, you know, uh, the pressure that people give you. So to commune with the Holy Spirit, to learn to give validation from him. When I'm here, I just see Jesus. He is my joy. He is my strength. I can dance even if they're not doing the dance song. Be like, what is she doing? What is the African girl doing? I don't, I don't even have good moves. I'm just like, oh, Jesus. You know, that joy is real, but it's not because the music's so good. It's something that comes from within. So learn how to spend time with him. He's going to build you. He's going to be real. He's not going to be strange, something that you pray to. And you need him. Oh, my God. You need him in Edmonton. You need him in Canada. You need him everywhere you go in every step of your life. Learn to know the Holy Spirit. If not, it's, it's just death. It's death waiting for you. It's so sad to see Christians who want to live this Christian journey without the Holy Spirit. It may, I tremble when you just want to do church and just go home and have your latte. Get to know him. Get to know him. Teach them. <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit is here, and yeah. he has guided us tonight. And I just I want us to pray. I just, um, as Adam shared, and it was just the word of God for us, he shared um, about how Saul had no vision. And then Ananias prayed and he was given vision and he was being filled. And I just, I want to pray over us vision, vision to see him, vision to see Jesus, that we would see as Francina shared, that he would be the one that uh, sustains us. He would be the one that we're looking to, not a person, not a thing, not a church, not a whatever. He would be the one. 
And so, and, and I pray, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us fresh because we need to be so full of him. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this room. That we're not, we're not talking about someone that's not here. We're talking about a person. And you, Holy Spirit, are here right now in this place. You see every heart. You see every situation. You see every dream. You see every hope. You see every struggle. You see every burden. You see every single one of us. You know which pit we're in, which mountain we're on. You, you know where we're at right now. And I ask you to give vision to each one of us. A vision first and foremost to see you. That we would see you so clearly. That there would be no distractions in our vision. That anything that we've put in your place would be removed now in Jesus' name. Any idol, anything that's above you would be placed. Whether it's a person or a relationship or a career or, a, or whatever. We, we, we surrender it now to you. We lay it down now to you in Jesus' name. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal Jesus to us afresh that we would catch his eyes afresh, that we would look into his eyes afresh tonight and we'd be forever changed. Father, that the trajectory of our lives would change because tonight we saw a vision of Jesus. God, I thank you that when we have your vision, everything changes. Every circumstance looks different when we see it through your eyes. So right now, we receive that vision. And God, we receive a filling of the Holy Spirit from the front to the back, from the left to the right, in every single one of us. God, we ask for a fresh filling, for a love to come, for a joy to come, for a peace to come that passes all understanding. We thank you that you're revealing your face in this place. We thank you that, Father, you're here. And we just receive a filling. A filling that only you can do. I thank you that you feel the empty and you feel the broken. And as we've repented tonight, that's where you move. You fill us. That we're full in you. So we receive your love. We receive your filling tonight we ask for more we're hungry for more tonight just begin to hunger after the Lord just begin to focus on him in your own way whatever that looks like just just either say his name Jesus or just worship him just start to focus your attention on him Jesus Jesus you're the one Jesus Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.